Welcome to the Harbor Church Weekly Sermon Podcast. We hope you enjoyed today's message. For more information, visit us online at www.theharborli.com. Tithing is something not so fun uh, to talk about uh, just as a pastor, just because, you know, people, Satan will try to twist anything that, that God does and try to uh, make it negative. And so because things have been abused in the past, you know, there can be stigmas attached to uh, certain things that we talk about in church. And uh, so for the person who's not used to church, you may be thinking like, well, of course, they're going to talk about money. It's at church. Well, we actually don't talk about money that much. We do this once a year and you just happen to pick the night. We're going to talk about it. So hopefully um, you enjoy it. I believe that God still wants to speak to you. And um, and you can ask anybody you want after church. If you come back next week, you'll see we'll, we will not be talking about money. Um, but you know what? I... Um, I'm excited about tonight because um, giving is such a huge step in the life of the believer, and it's such an important step in the life of the believer. And um, I am just going to be brutally honest with you tonight. I'm going to be so blunt, and uh, for two reasons. Number one, um, because this is not my opinion, and these aren't my words. This is God's opinion, and this is God's word. And, uh, and secondly, because of this, because I, I grew up in a household, I was fortunate enough to grow up in a, a Christian household where my family tithed. And so for me, from the point that I, I had my first job, that was just something that, that I did because I always saw that that was something that we do and I knew that that was a priority. My wife, same exact thing. She grew up in a household where they tithe and, and she tithe and we totally 100% believe that where we're at today and so many of the blessings that we have today are a product of that faithfulness. And so I think and hope that at the end of tonight, you will realize that God does not need your money. God asks you to be obedient and tithing because he wants to bless you and because he wants to be involved in your finances. My wife and I have, have experienced that blessing. And so I know what this step of obedience can carry. I know that it can be terrifying. I know that it can sometimes be uncomfortable to talk about, but I also have experienced the blessing that's attached to it, and I want that for you. And so tonight, I, I'm not going to beat around the bush. I'm just going to be brutally honest with you, because that's how I like someone to talk to me. And if you don't, sorry. Um, so we're going to uh, we're gonna look at it tonight, but I really do believe um, that you're going to be blessed and, and get a lot out of it. So uh, we're going to start in, a, in the book of Malachi. If you have your Bibles, you can turn to chapter 3. We're going to throw it up on the screen. Let me just say, um, the best teaching that I've ever heard, uh, ever read, uh, is by a guy named Robert Morris, a pastor at, uh, that does Gateway Church in Dallas, Texas. And I want to encourage you, if what we talk about tonight piques your interest, uh, he has a book and a sermon here. It's called The Blessed Life. And it's incredible. I mean, I grew up around tithing, but when I read that, watched that, that, that changed the game for me and why we do it. And, um, and so a lot of what we're going to talk about tonight are things that I picked up from him. So if, if this piques your interest, I encourage you to go check that out. And I know that, uh, that that'll speak to you a lot. But we're going to get started. Malachi chapter 3, verse 6 says this, I, the Lord, do not change. So you, the descendants of Jacob, are not destroyed. Ever since the time of your ancestors, you have turned away from my decrees and have not kept them. Return to me, and I will return to you, says the Lord Almighty. But you ask, how are we to return? Will a mere mortal rob God? Yet you rob me. But you ask, how are we robbing you? In tithes and offerings. You are under a curse, your whole nation, because you are robbing me. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing 
that there will not be room enough to store it. I don't know if you picked up on that, but God is literally saying, try me. Test me. I'm challenging you with this. I don't know if you're a competitive person, but the moment that someone says, try me, I'm like, let's go. Where's the ball? Let's go. There's something inside of me that, that, that rises up to be like, okay, I will. The God of all creation is saying to his people, I'm asking you to be obedient. I'm asking you to prioritize giving me your first 10% tithing to me. And I'm telling you that when you're obedient with that and when you're faithful with that, I will pour out so much blessing in your life that you will not be able to contain it. So if you believe that God is a God of his word and that he stays true to to everything that he says and that every promise in his word is not just true, but it's also for you, is this not something that you would want to say, let's go. Let me try this. God, let me be a part of this. God, if you say it, I believe it, and I want to do this. See, so many people, you think, you know, if I just made a little bit more money, then I could start tithing. I, I, all the time I'll play games in my head I'm like, God, um, if I could just win the lottery or something, I would be the most generous person that you've ever met. Like you have no idea, God, you have no idea how good I would be if I just had so much more money. How many times have we been like, God, if, if I could just get that promotion, if I could just get that raise, then I'd be able to tie. No, you wouldn't. No, you wouldn't. Before you get that raise, you already have that money spent in your mind. And it doesn't matter how much money you make, your bills and everything else, it's all relative. You're going to drive a nicer car. You're going to buy a nicer house. Uh, The cost will go up just when the, the money goes up. So that's not true. Giving and generosity are not birthed out of an abundance. Giving and generosity are developed when there's not even enough. But you just say, God, I'm going to be obedient to what you said. And it does. it's not determined by how much money I make or how much I have left over. But if you say to give you the first 10%, then I'll be faithful with that and I will trust you with the rest. I had a guy Sunday after we did this exact message, he came up to me and he said, hey, listen, I just want to encourage you. He said, I was a Christian for most of my life and I lost my job when the market crashed. And he said, I I didn't know what to do. And he said, God spoke to me at that season of my life when I was without a job and put on my heart to start tithing when I didn't have a job. And he said, I will tell you something. I was obedient, and I've not missed a bill since. God has provided for my family every day since. Generosity does not just magically happen when there's an abundance of money. Generosity happens when you make a decision to be faithful and obedient to what God has asked us to do. Robert Morris says, you know, you will never be able to afford to tithe until you tithe. You're never going to be able to afford to tithe until you start to tithe. Now, let me just say this. This is not about the church getting your money. We believe that God is the head of the church. God will provide for his church. Now, it is in Scripture to tithe to the local storehouse, the church, and that is a way that God provides for his church, but God is the head of the church. This is about your relationship with God, your obedience to God, and God's blessing for you and for your family and the generations to come. With that being said, as a church, we, we always want to be aware that we are pointing people to Jesus, pointing people to this eternal answer, this answer that affects your life now. But so many people, you have real-life problems. And so we try to offer different things as a church to help 
navigate through life and to help navigate through some of these issues. One of the things that we offer, we're actually starting it up again on April 11th, is this class called Financial Peace University. And this is something that my wife and I did right before we got married, and uh, almost 11 years ago, and it had such a huge impact on our financial situation. As we were coming together as a couple, we were going to make financial decisions together. It changed the game for us. And this course will literally teach you how to handle your finances, not just in a responsible way, but in a biblical and godly way. And so I don't know about you, but I didn't have a lot of knowledge as far as retirement and investing and all of this stuff. This course literally broke it down and was so easy to understand. And so um, part of being able to tithe is handling your finances as a whole in a good way. It's stewarding what God has blessed you with. And so if you are here and you're like, man, I could use some knowledge. Maybe you're not in a financial bad situation right now, but you're like, I could, I could use the help. Sign up. Maybe you are. A lot of the people that do do it are in a rough spot. This course breaks it down how to get out of debt and how to get control of your finances, that you're not controlled by your finances, but you are in the driver's seat controlling your finances. And so if that's something that you're interested in, you can sign up at our Connect Bar after church. It starts April 11th, and I know that that will, uh, will bless you. But let's get into to tonight. I want to I want to break down four things for you about tithing. These are things that maybe, uh, maybe for some of you this might be a little obvious. Maybe for some of you this will open your eyes to something that you've never uh, looked at or never seen it this way. But I believe that it's going to uh, minister to you tonight. So first thing, if you want to write this down, is this: giving takes faith, budgeting does not. Giving takes faith, but budgeting does not. One of the The earliest stories that we have, if not the earliest story that we have of the importance of tithing, the importance of giving God your best, is this story of Cain and Abel, right in the beginning of Genesis. And you have these brothers, and you see that these brothers, they give God very different offerings, and you see a a drastically different response from God with these two brothers. I want to show you the story really quick. Genesis 4, verse 1. It says, Adam made love to his wife Eve, and she became pregnant and gave birth to Cain. She said, with the help of the Lord, I have brought forth a man. Later she gave birth to his brother Abel. Now Abel kept flocks, and Cain worked the soil. So Abel was uh, a shepherd. Cain was a farmer. In the course of time, somebody say in the course of time, Cain brought some of the fruits of the soil as an offering to the Lord. And Abel also brought an offering, fat portions from some of the firstborn. Someone say firstborn of his flock. The Lord looked with favor on Abel and his offering, but on Cain and his offering, he did not look with favor. So Cain was very angry and his face was downcast. Then the Lord said to Cain, why are you angry? Why is your face downcast? If you do what is right, will you not be accepted? But if you do not do what is right, sin is crouching at your door. It desires to have you, but you must rule over it. Now Cain said to his brother Abel, let's go out to the field. And while they were in the field, Cain attacked his brother Abel, and he killed him. If you've never read that story, that took a left turn for you. You're like, what just happened? I don't know. Um, I'm just kidding. Uh, So anyways, you see the difference in this story with Cain and Abel. You see that they, they brought different offerings, and you see that God accepted one, and he rejected the other. Now, the difference between these two offerings, the difference between the approach between Cain and Abel is this principle of first fruits or firstborn. Now, I I had you repeat this term in the course of time for a reason. 
So in the Hebrew, the way that this was originally written, in the course of time, literally translates to at the end of the harvest. So what Cain did was this. Cain was a farmer. After the harvest was complete, Cain surveyed everything that he had, and then he determined what he was going to give God. Now that is different than making God the priority and giving God the first fruits the first 10%. Because what Cain was doing, Cain wasn't being obedient to what God asked him to do. Cain was saying, I'll give what I want and I'll do it when I want to. Let me break this down for all you church people. This is your translation. I will give what and when I feel led. It's the same attitude. In the course of time, when, when he surveyed his financial situation, when he realized that he was financially secure, then he made the decision to give what and when he wanted. Now, maybe there's some compassionate people in the room. You're like, well, this, this must have been a misunderstanding. And it's kind of, you know, this is crazy how quickly this thing escalated. Well, it wasn't a misunderstanding because God breaks it down for Cain again. And he says, Cain, if you do what is right, you, you know that you're going to be accepted. But, but if you don't do what's right, it's not going to be accepted. So it wasn't a misunderstanding it was Cain not valuing being obedient to what God had said. It was Cain giving what and when he felt led. Now, Abel, on the other hand, Abel displays this principle of first fruits, this principle of the first 10%. I had you repeat the word firstborn because this is profound. As, as a shepherd, as this sheep is giving birth, and he's dedicating the first one out to the Lord, that's profound because he has no idea if that is going to be the first of ten, the first of eight, the first of five, maybe the first of two. But to Abel, Abel is not giving the first out of his financial security. Abel is giving his first out of faith and obedience to the Lord. See, God cares so much more, and he's so much more concerned with the amount of faith that you give with than the amount of money that you give with. And, and that's why you see that giving is a percentage. You see illustrations in the Bible where rich dudes are dropping crazy money in the bag, and what Jesus takes note of is the woman who has nothing and who's giving two coins. It's not about the amount of money. It's about the, the, the amount of faith that you have when you give, that you're willing to say, God, I'm willing to be obedient and I'm willing to be faithful even when I don't really know how this is going to pan out, but I know that this is what you asked me to do, and I know that if I involve you, you will always look after me and provide for me, and you'll be faithful and you'll be good, so let me do this. Giving has so much more to do with the amount of faith than the amount of money. It takes faith to give the first 10%, not the last. Giving takes faith. Budgeting does not. Waiting till the end when I've paid off my cable bill and my cell phone bill and however many times I decided to eat out that week and everything else that we spend money on and then surveying what I have left to give God doesn't take faith. But saying, God, this is a priority, and, I, and I'm going to make sure that I do this, that takes faith. And I'll say this, even though I'm saying I have 
tithed my whole life, I would never lie to you and say that it's always been easy. And I was joking around on Sunday saying, you know, as you get older and you get a big boy job and you make more money and more zeros get added to that, it gets harder and harder. I mean, it's one thing to tithe on a summer job 10%. It's another thing to tithe on a career job 10%. And so there are times where when you're about to give that, you have those doubts and you have those moments where it's tough, but it's supposed to be. Because it's giving out of faith, not out of abundance. Now, you know, the skeptical person in the room would say, or the person who's fluent in Christianese would say, well, you know, Abel, oh, what a sweetheart. He just has such a generous heart. What a giving guy. No, what an obedient guy. What a faith-filled guy. It's a picture of what it looks like to take God at his word. And to be faithful. And you know, Jesus says in Matthew 6, he says, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Isn't it so interesting that when Jesus says this, that your heart comes after the treasure? Jesus doesn't say for where your heart is, there your treasure will be also. Jesus says for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So the decisions in the way that you decide to invest and use your money is actually tied to your desire in your heart. Now, a lot of times we like to quote this scripture of, you know, sin is crouching at the door. It's waiting to be your master. This was in the context of giving. This was in the context of finances. This was in the context of being obedient with tithing. And so like Pastor Mike talked about last week, it it all goes back to do you believe that God is a giver or do you believe that God is a taker? God is warning Cain, saying sin wants to master you. And if your financial decisions are always based out of fear and greed, you will never be able to have enough or hoard enough. And money will always rule over you. And everything that God has done and everything that Jesus came and did was for your freedom. But Satan will try to twist that and make it sound like God is a taker. No, God is a giver, and God is giving you the advice to say, even money doesn't have to rule over you. If you can be obedient and you can be faithful to do what I've asked you to do and involve me in your finances, I want to be a part of it, and I want to bless you, and I want to provide for you. It's so funny how greed will convince people not to give. And then those very people that make the decision to not make tithing a priority are the very people that get envious of the blessings on a tither's life. I can't tell you how many times people, you know, in counseling or whatever will just be, it's not fair. It's not fair. I mean, look at, look at, look at everything that happened. Yeah, some people, you can't control some things, but there are some things that you can't control. And, and, and a lot of times it's people who decide to be greedy that are the very ones that get jealous of the blessings that God wants to pour out on you. You may be the stop holding the blessings back in your life. Now, greed, I don't think, means that you're just a bad person. I mean, everybody wrestles with it. A lot of times I think that, that fear is what fuels greed. Not that you're just a bad person. But when you're fearful... The trap is, like God is warning Cain, when you are ruled by fear, 
you will never, ever, ever be able to have enough, to save enough. You'll never be able to hoard enough. But what God is saying to Cain is when you give out of faith, you'll actually never be able to give enough. I don't know if you've ever experienced being in a spot where you are actually able to help somebody and to bless somebody, to give something very generous. That is a feeling of fulfillment and joy that you can't get anywhere else. In those moments in my life where we've been fortunate and able to do that, there's a glimpse of, this is incredible. This is amazing. God is saying, I, I, I want you to operate out of faith and not out of fear. Giving, tithing takes faith. Budgeting does not. Second thing I want you to write down is this. Giving is not for God's benefit. It's for yours. You tithing is not for God's benefit. It's for yours. So giving is not just a, a requirement or a law. Giving is actually an ordinance. Giving was around before the law. Giving was around after the law. And it's supposed to be an ordinary practice in the life of the believer. Now, I want to show you just a couple. There are thousands of examples in the Bible, but I wanted to show you a couple examples of well-known stories and the impact that prioritizing giving makes, okay? So many people have heard of this guy Abraham, right? So Abraham gets this promise from God that he's going to be the father of many nations, that his descendants will be so many, it'll be more than the sand on the seashore. One problem, Abraham is 99 years old and his wife is 90. I don't know when the last time you took, like, an anatomy course is, but, okay. So, he's struggling to believe that this is going to happen. Well, this is crazy. I'm going to fast forward through a lot of story. God ends up blessing him and his wife with his son Isaac. Now, absolute miracle. Well, then God speaks to Abraham when his son gets a little older. And he says to Abraham, I want you to take your son, I want you to take him up on this mountain, and I want you to sacrifice your son for me. I'm going to be brutally honest with you right now. If that was me, I would absolutely 100% reason my way out of that. I'm serious. I know myself, and I would justify being like, there is no way that God just asked me to do that. God is the one who promised me the son. There's no way then he would ask me to actually give it back to him. God blessed me with the son. There's no way that God would actually ask me to give it back to him. I thought I was supposed to be the, the father of many nations. If I start off with the first one and I do this, there's no way that's going to happen. I literally, there's no way. But Abraham, by faith, listens to what God asked him to do. He goes up on the mountain. He literally lays his son down on the altar. As he's raising the knife, God sees that he was willing to do what he asked, and God stops him. And he says, don't touch, this, don't touch your son. But I now see that you were willing to give your firstborn back to me. And as a result of that, I'm fulfilling my promise, man, and I'm going to make you the father of many nations. So the cause is Abraham being willing to give his firstborn back to God. The effect is God blessing him in ways that he couldn't even imagine. Now, if you fast forward hundreds of years, Descendants of Abraham. You see God's people enslaved in Egypt. 
right? You see um, this guy Moses come onto the scene. God uses Moses. He ends up getting his people uh, freed from Egypt. They end up traveling towards this promised land that God has for his people. Moses ends up dying. The leadership is now passed on to, uh, to Joshua. And Joshua's job is to lead God's people to the promised land. Now, Joshua, the first city that they come up against is Jericho in this conquest to get to the promised land. Now, Jericho was the most fortified city, tall walls, crazy army. They're, they didn't stand a chance. But God speaks to Joshua, and he says, listen, Listen to what I'm about to tell you. Be obedient. I will fight the battle for you. I'm going to give you exact instructions of what to do. And if you do this, I will fight the battle. I will work it out. But when I win, don't take the spoils for yourself. Leave everything. Now, this is significant because this is the first battle that they're fighting on their conquest to inherit the promise that God had for them. So Joshua tells the people, they follow God's instructions, they march around this city, they end up worshiping and and praising God. God brings the walls down, they defeat the city. Unbeknownst to Joshua, one of the soldiers does not listen, and he hoards some treasure for himself. They go to fight the next battle, and they lose. So Joshua comes back to God, and Joshua says, God, what's up? I thought you were going to go before us. I thought you were going to help us. This doesn't make any sense. And God says, I did say that, and I also said, don't take for yourself any of the spoils, and someone from your camp did. So God gives them instructions of what to do with the man. They listen, and then they go on to never lose a battle again and inherit the promised land that God had for them. So you see the cause when they didn't give back to God the first fruits, they were left on their own. You can, fight, you can fight the battle on your own then. When they were obedient to God, when they took care of the situation and they gave back to God what was his, then God fulfilled his promise, God fought the battles for him, and God literally paved the way for them to inherit the promise that he had. Can I just say, I mean, honestly, practically speaking, the East Coast is next to, Northeast is next to impossible to live. It is brutal financially. If anybody needs God's help to make things work, it should be us. I mean, the Northeast should be the most amazing, amazing, incredible, generous tithers on the face of the planet because we need God more than everybody else. You see the cause and the effect. If you can be obedient with this, I will pour out blessing on you. I will pave the way. I will provide for you. I will make a way. God doesn't ask you to tithe. He doesn't ask you to give because he needs your money. He wants to bless you. God speaks through David in Psalm 50. God says, for every beast of the forest is mine. The cattle on a thousand hills. I know all the birds of the hills and all that moves in the field is mine. If I were hungry, I wouldn't tell you. The world and its fullness are mine. The God of all creation does not need your money. It's not about the money. It's about the heart. It's about the obedience. It's about the faith that you give with. God wants to provide for you. God wants to be involved in your finances. This goes all the way back to Adam and Eve. You see, when Adam and Eve, they disobeyed God, God, part of the punishment was now you're going to have to work for everything the rest of your life. And Eden must have been really close to Long Island because it seems like we're cursed more than everybody else. But this is part of it. This is part of it. But God, like he's always done, 
doesn't just leave us high and dry. God says, hey, I'm going to give you an opportunity to involve me in your finances. I, I, I kind of view this as I was going to have Wayne Rivera out here to illustrate, but I don't know where he's at right now. I kind of view this as like tag team wrestling, okay? I don't watch wrestling, but Wayne does. And so, you know, I, I view it as someone's in the ring wrestling the opponent and their teammate is outside of the ropes and they're stretching out their hand in the ring saying, tag me in, let me help, tag me in. But until you go over there and you smack their hand, they're outside the ring. God asking you to tithe is God outstretching his arm to you and saying, involve me, involve me. If you could just have the faith and the obedience to listen to what I said, I will provide for you. I will bless you. I will go before you. Tag me in. The God of all creation, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. And see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be a room enough to store it. Proverbs says this, honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruits of all your produce. Then your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will be bursting with wine. Cause and effect. Obedience and blessing. If you don't remember anything else that we talk about tonight, I know I'm throwing a lot at you. Remember this. Write this down. If you're going to pray about anything, if you're going to take this step, I want you to just write down this simple question. And this is a profound question because times in my life where maybe there was a bigger chunk of change that was a little harder to let go of, and I've been wrestling with it for a moment, when I ask myself this question, it fixes everything. And the question is this. Do I believe that 90% of my money with God goes further than 100% of my money without? I mean, if you really want to break it down, it's so easy to focus on the 10% that you're giving. But if you can put it in perspective to say, do I believe that 90% of my money with God's blessing, with God's provision, with God's help, with God's protection goes further in my life than 100% of my money on my own? It simplifies it, and I think it's a pretty easy answer. The third thing I would ask you to write down is this. A desire to give comes from a grateful heart. A desire to give comes from a grateful heart. If you don't have a desire to give, you can probably at some point trace it back to a root of ungratefulness. And I will be bold enough to say tonight that if you're here and you're angry that I'm talking about this, you're probably an ungrateful person. You're probably a person that struggles with entitlement. Now, that doesn't make you a bad person. I'm just being honest. And there are times where I struggle with that. But really, at, at the core of ungratefulness is entitlement. Is this I mentality that we are all born with. By nature, we all have. And it is so easy to fall into the trap to say, I worked for this. I earned this. I saved this. I sold this. I built this. I deserve this. Well, entitlement is the opposite of gratefulness. And so entitlement will never lead to giving. Entitlement will always lead to, to hoarding and to greed and to fear, and to you being a slave to money the rest of your life. 
The next time that you're wrestling with that, and there we all will. We all will. The next time that in your mind you are wrestling with these, oh, man, I really feel like this is mine. Just start to remind yourself in the context of your walk with God. I've messed up. I've made bad, cho- bad choices repeatedly. I've turned my back on God. I've failed God. I've done things that I said I would never do. I've made a mess of things. I deserved punishment. I should have been the one to die. I had no shot at a walk with God or a relationship with God. I had no shot at getting into heaven. But Jesus came, and he took the punishment that I deserved. Jesus came, and and he died the death that was supposed to be for me. That was my penalty. Jesus came, and he fixed this broken relationship, and now I'm able to have relationship with my creator, with my Father in heaven. Jesus came, and Jesus gave me a way to spend eternity with God. The next time that you are wrestling with entitlement with your finances, just remind yourself of what you should be entitled to as far as your life goes. Because God is not a taker, God is a giver. And Jesus didn't just come for your eternity, Jesus actually says, I'm coming and I'm doing all this so that you can live life to the fullest on this side of heaven. And I came to give you freedom. And I came so that you could live the life that you were created to live. Don't submit yourself to things that you don't have to be a slave to. Finances is one of the the, the biggest things that will try to attack that freedom. Generosity is birthed out of gratefulness. You know, nothing is guaranteed. Nothing is secure. You know, there, there were people who were invested in the market and had spent a lifetime accruing wealth in a conservative and a safe way that were so well diversified. And when the market crashed, it was gone. Gone. It affected millions of people. You know, there are people that swore that real estate was the safest thing and and did that and ended up losing everything when the housing market crashed. Nothing is guaranteed. You may think you have seniority, you may think you have tenure, you may think you have everything that you need. Nothing is guaranteed. I'm doing two funerals this week. And every time I do a funeral, I'm reminded of the fact that life is a vapor. It's here one moment and it's gone the next. Nobody wakes up realizing that they're going to die that afternoon. And it is so easy to fall into the mindset to think that you're just entitled to the job that you have. You're entitled to the next breath that you're going to take. But the the reality is and the fact is, is that you're not. That everything that you and I have is a gift from God. My ability to work to earn the money that God allows me to keep 90% of is a gift from God. The fact that I wake up and I have air in my lungs to be able to function and to be able to breathe and to live is a gift from God. The fact that I can go to heaven one day and spend eternity with him is a gift from God. So everything that I have is a reason to be grateful. 
maybe you're in a tough spot right now, and it is hard for you to imagine how you can be grateful right now. You know, I did nothing to deserve being born into the family that I am. I did nothing to deserve being so privileged to live in the United States where water is not I mean, I could get it anywhere. I could have as much as I want. I could have easily been born in another country where I had to worry about all kinds of diseases. I had no food. I have no water. There's wars breaking out everywhere. I'm so grateful that I have the privilege and the blessing to even live where I live, to have the freedom that we have. So no matter who you are, no matter where life is at, no matter what life is thrown at you, you have things that you can be grateful for. And, and a spirit of generosity and, and, and having the faith to give is birthed out of being grateful for everything that God has done for you and blessed you with and provided for. I'm going to ask the band to come up as we wrap this up. I, I saw such a cheesy illustration. I thought about doing it. And I was like, I can't. People will think, yeah. So, but I'm going to tell it to you. So I saw Robert Morris, this pastor, he was giving an illustration. And so he said, it was so obvious he was faking it, but it still got the point across. In the middle of his message, he was like, oh, no, I forgot my wallet. And he was like, I'm starving. I want to take my family out to lunch. Is there, in the middle of his message, he's like, is there anybody who could just lend me some money? And so this dude, Fred, in the front row, he jumps up, like, waving a $100 bill with a huge smile on his face. And he's like, here you go, pastor. And he's like, oh, thank you, Fred. And he grabs it and he puts it in his pocket. Everybody else is like, what the heck just happened? Like, what? What's going on? And so he said, that, that may have seemed funny to some of you, why he just stood up and gave me $100, number one, but number two, had a huge smile on his face, and it was like he was excited to do it. He said, the reason why he was so excited to give me this $100 is because right before I walked up here, I leaned over to Fred and said, hey, Fred, here's a $100 bill. When I ask for it in the service, can you give it to me? And so he said the reason why he was so excited to give back is because he realized that it was never his to begin with. I asked him to hold on to it. I asked him to give it back. So he understood, I'll steward this and I'll just give it back when he wants it, when he asked me to. See, the, the trick to having a generous spirit and, and to be a person that can give out of faith is realizing nothing that you have is guaranteed. And I'm not saying this to scare you or to bring fear into your life. I'm saying this to say we can be so grateful that every good and perfect thing that's in our life is from God. That I am who I am. I'm where I'm at today because of God. And so when God asks me to do things, even that are tough and even that requires so much faith living on Long Island, I realize, God, it's not mine to begin with. Everything that I have, my health, my ability to work, the job that I have, every blessing in my life has been given to me by you. So if you ask me to give back, I'm going to give back and I'm going to do it joyfully because I realize that I can be grateful for everything. This last thing that I want to touch on is this. You can write this down. When you've been touched by it, you can't give enough. When you've been touched by it, you can't give enough. I've told this story a couple times here, but it just illustrates this so well. Four or five years ago, I was in the grocery store, and I was just getting something quick, probably like, seriously, like $4 worth of stuff, and, uh, and I'm standing in line, and I'm minding my own business, and I just happened to hear that the cashier says to the guy in front of me, 
hey, sir, we're trying to raise money today. And so uh, if you'd like to donate towards breast cancer research, you can donate a dollar, two dollars or five dollars. And he and he was like, yeah, I'll donate five dollars. In my head, I was like, wow, this guy's a baller. Like that's that he just chose the biggest one. And so in my head, I'm like, you know, like there's a long line behind me. I'm like, shoot, what do I do? And you can go ahead and judge me. I know that you wrestle with the same thing when they ask you to donate to anything. And, and so I was literally wrestling in my head like, ah, am I going to give anything? I'm going to look like a dirt bag right now. You know, I didn't. And so I got up to the cashier and, and she asked me the same thing. And I just felt like in the moment I should say $5 too. I don't even know if maybe it was peer pressure. I'm not sure. But I just said, yeah, I'll, I'll give $5 too. And what I didn't realize was the guy who had just given the $5, he was still packing his bag like four feet from me. And when I said that, he said, excuse me. And I turned and looked at him and he had tears rolling down his cheeks and he said, thank you. And I was like, what just happened? Like I, what, I missed something. I don't know what's going on. And he took a couple steps away and he was waiting for me. And so I finished checking out, and, and, and I walked over to him, and he just said, I just want to thank you again. He said, my wife is dying of breast cancer right now. And he said, you know what, man, we're, it doesn't look good right now. And he said, we're in the fight for our lives. He said, we're struggling financially. And, but he said, you know what, we're not giving up, and, and uh, I'm just believing that we're going to get through this. And just kind of started pouring out his story. And I'm like, holy cow, that was the best $5 I ever spent. Like, what? I never would have imagined this. And so I just started to talk to this guy, and I was able to pray with him and try to just encourage him. And, you know, I walked out of that grocery store that day, and I'm like, God, you are so good. Like, you are so good. Like, I, I just, I never could have arranged that. I, I could have never imagined that playing out in my mind. And it was just so cool that from five little dollars, I was able to speak into this guy's life and tell him about how much you love him and encourage him. And I was just blown away with the goodness of God. But then as I kept driving, then I started thinking, you know, what's even crazier is the fact that he just told me that his wife is about to die from this disease and they are struggling and strapped financially. And he gave $5. Like, why did he, we're, we're the ones who are giving towards what he's dealing with. He's not supposed to be giving. You should be saving because you're in it. But what I realize is the reality is, is that when you've been touched by it, you can't give enough. And to use cancer as an example, it, it has affected so many people, so many families. But the reality is, is if it hasn't touched your family, it's, it's easy to a degree to just be going in life not phased by it but the moment that it hits home with you the moment that it touches your family it, it brings on this passion to fight for this cause and so the rallies and the walks and the fundraisers and all the things that you never attended before now you're at all of them the fundraiser that you never took part in trying to raise money for you are now championing because it's touched you. It's personal to you. So when it when it hits my life, now I, I, I want to be a part of this. I want to give towards this. I want to fight for this. You know, it's the same thing with God. 
When, when you come to the realization of what Jesus has done for you, what God has given for you, when you've been touched by the love of God, you can't give enough. You can't give enough. God never asked you to do something that he wasn't first willing to do for you. And yes, God asked us to give our first fruits, to give our first 10%, but God didn't just give his firstborn. God gave his one and his only for you and me. First Corinthians says that Christ has indeed been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who fall asleep. Colossians says that the Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. Giving and tithing, it is it's hard. And it's tough, and it requires so much faith. But God first gave in faith for you and for me. Think about it for a second. God made the decision to send his son, his one and only son, down to the earth to die and to take the punishment for my sins and my mistakes with no guarantee that I would ever acknowledge it, appreciate it, or ever make the choice to be in relationship with him. God gave in faith for me. And God said, Scott, even if you don't appreciate it, even if you don't accept it, even if you go on to oppose me all the days of your life, I love you enough that I'll give my one and only son for you. God is not a taker. God is a giver. And so the God who has given in faith for you and me is the God who asks us to give in faith back to him. But there's a promise attached. Test me in this. If you can be obedient, if you can give with faith, if you cannot let your finances dictate your obedience and giving, but you can say, God, my priority is I want you involved in my finances. I want you fighting for me and for my family. And so my priority is, God, the first 10% you get, and I will trust in you that the rest will work out. There's a blessing attached. God says, I will pour out blessing on you like you cannot imagine. You want to get really practical for a minute? Because I'm a practical person. If you don't believe me, try it. Try it. Give it 90 days. Try giving for 90 days. And if you don't start to experience the difference, then you can stop. But every time we talk about this, for months after, I will encounter people coming up, like just happened on Sunday, saying, I just thought you guys talked about money. I didn't really think it was real. And since I started giving, all this stuff has been happening in my life. God wants to be a part of every, every, every part of your life. And your finances are a huge part of that. I want to invite you to stand up as we begin to close out. And again, I know that tonight is kind of a different night in talking about this. But... Again, this isn't a downer. This is a blessing because this is just an opportunity to be more faithful, to be more obedient, and to experience God, to experience his blessing, to experience his provision. I want to ask you to bow your heads real quick before we, uh, before we move on. I recognize that there may be some people here tonight that we're talking about tithing, and you're like, I don't even know God. I don't even have a relationship with God. Man, you're in the right place. You are surrounded by a ton of people that 
were in that spot that have made the decision to say, Jesus, I need you. Jesus, I've made a mess of my life. Jesus, I don't have peace. I'm not happy. I don't, I don't feel fulfilled. I, I'm just struggling. And we've made the decision to say, God, I need you. And God, if there's something to this, show yourself to me. And if you're here tonight, man, you can... You can know God because he gave his one and only son to die on the cross for you so that all you would have to do is just say, Jesus, I need you. Jesus, I want you. Jesus, come into my life. It is that easy. It is that easy. So if you're here tonight with every head bowed and every eye closed, and you just say, hey, man, that's me. I need a change in my life. I, 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 I feel something inside maybe. I, I need to give this a try. I just need something different. If that's you, I just want, could you raise your hand? I'm not going to call you out. I'm not going to embarrass you. But if you're here, I see that hand. I see that hand. Anybody else? I see that hand. Anybody else? You just say, man, I just, I need this change. I, I need to experience God. If he's real, show yourself to me. Anybody else? Anybody else here tonight? So awesome. See that hand. We're going to pray together really quick. And we're all just going to repeat this prayer to just say, God, I need you. God, I invite you into my heart. Could you just repeat after me? Dear Jesus, thank you for dying for me. Forgive me of my sins and all my mistakes. I give my life to you. I ask you to show yourself to me. My life is in your hands. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Could you give it up, man, for all those people that raised their hands tonight? Thanks for listening to today's message. If you would like to take the next step in your relationship with Jesus today, visit us online at www.theharborli.com backslash next step.